What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash Tales from Tech Support. Well, been just over a week since I've done an episode. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm going to throw up some pictures here. Started a uh, another project. Shocker. I think I may have told you about the start of this one. My wife asked me, why can't we get rid of the wall between the living room and dining room? And she's been asking for years. And anyway, I know what I'm getting into if I open up that ceiling and wall. And I've been avoiding it. Well, the next morning after she asked me, I started poking around on that ceiling to see just how much, if it was, if any of this was a bearing wall. And it wasn't at all. So, uh, yeah, we got out a sledgehammer and a sawzall and went at it. And, uh, yeah, so we stripped out that opening, stripped out all the plaster from the dining room, widened the opening from our dining room into our kitchen. And, uh, yeah, so it'll add a little bit more of a contemporary feel to this hundred-year-old-plus house. So, anyway, let's read some stories. Can you help me bypass those pesky U.S. sanctions? So this one is fairly short, but I was absolutely in awe. I work as second-line support for a big multinational, not going into further detail because of reasons. I also have additional duties regarding tech support of meetings and other events involving MS Teams and a multitude of other tools. A couple months ago, I received a long email chain regarding an online meeting between sites in around a dozen different countries, including mine. I read through the entire chain, and it boiled down to, the meeting itself always works fine, but for some reason we always have issues with the Q&A. One site has issues accessing it. It was never mentioned which site. I contacted the person who sent it to me. Dear user, could you please elaborate on the issues this site is facing? We use this tool every day on site, and it never appears to make problems. Best regards, Quiche. User then replied, Dear Quiche, the participants in question are situated in Iran and they have difficulty accessing the Q&A. It's probably due to the sanctions from the U.S. against Iran. Do you know any way we can bypass them? Kind regards, user. I sat there at my desk, comprehending what was asked of me. My eyelids opening and closing by themselves, probably spelling out the Hague in Morse code or something. My internal monologue went something like, Sure thing, just let me hit up old Joey and deal with this malarkey right away. <laughs> Might solve the effing Middle East crisis while we're at it, am I right? I'm not sure on what list I just ended up on just being involved in an email exchange with the words bypass U.S. sanctions in it. I'll try to avoid visiting the U.S. for a good while until I need my prostate checked by the TSA. I replied to user, dear user, please consider using another common tool. Best regards, quiche. Yeah, that sounds a little sketchy to me. I'm not sure uh I'm not sure how they expect you to bypass something like that. Yeah, no. Not, I wouldn't play with that at all. I'd save copies of any emails or correspondence that has anything to do with that conversation. Probably print out a hard copy somewhere too, just to cover your butt. I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you think, Dimey? Wow. He is snockered. What's a COM port? I got a call from one of our younger engineers today complaining that their shiny new 3D printer wasn't talking to their workstation. Me. Okay, what's the message you're getting when you try to connect? Engineer. It's saying that the COM port, pronouncing it COM, is not responding. What's a COM port? It's plugged into the front USB. Me. Oh, uh, right. Scratching my head while trying to remember the last time I had to configure a serial port on Windows while also feeling old. Me. Do you know what the baud rate the printer is expecting? Engineer. Is that like the rate of extrusion? 
Me. I think it'd be easier if I come down there and take a look. Took a walk down, set the serial port to 115-200, bald. Bald, 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 anyway. 8-and-1 with no flow control and the printer responded. Lucky guess. Okay, two things. One, tell me how to pronounce that word because I'm sure I butchered it thoroughly. And two, I'm not sure I ever had to configure a COM port. Um, come to think of it, unless I did something in Windows that did some automatic configuration, I don't know. And now I'm showing my age because my memory's starting to get hazy, uh, sucking in too much plaster and drywall dust, I guess. That time I thought I'd be dismembered by a mob boss. Note, this story is real. In accordance with the rules, the names of the people and businesses involved have been changed. The story you are about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. This story goes back to the early 2000s. I was working for an IT support company located in the city of New Bedford, Massachusetts. New Bedford has a rich fishing history and was once considered to be the whaling capital of the world. In fact, the story of Moby Dick takes place in this very city. However, at the time this story takes place, New Bedford would more accurately be described as the Mose Isley of Massachusetts. You would never find a more wretched hive of sum and villainy, especially on the waterfront. The fishing industry being the main center of commerce for New Bedford, many of our clients were in this line of business. One client in particular, Stormy Seas Fisheries, is at the center of this story. Stormy Seas was a good client. They were easy to deal with, paid their bills, rarely complained, and were not too demanding. We enjoyed supporting them. One day I walked into the office and the owner of the IT company, his wife, and several employees were standing around talking with concerned looks on their faces. There was a story in one of the local newspapers which reported Stormy Seas was the victim of a literal hostile takeover where a man named James Greco literally held a gun to the owner's face and informed him he would be taking over. We came to learn that James was a major figure of organized crime in the area. The discussion was what to do about the situation. As I said, Stormy Seas was a great client, and we'd hate to lose them. After some deliberation, the decision was made to keep them on and just see how it goes. So we did, and things went along just as before. We'd show up on site, the same people were there, no weird vibes, no red flags, no sign of this mysterious organized crime figure. Stormy Seas continued to pay their bills, no questions asked, and we happily continued supporting them. This went along for several months, and honestly, most of us had forgotten all about the whole hostile takeover bit because, as I said, no weirdness came of it. Then one day we got a call from a woman we had never heard of, but who claimed to work for Stormy Seas Fisheries, and was reporting a problem with the internet connection at their house and asked if we could urgently send someone by. We weren't really in the business of doing residential work, but since Stormy Seas was such a good client, we figured we'd do them a favor and send someone. That someone ended up being me. Me, a young, naive 20-something with too much innocence and zeal for his own good. So I drove out to the address in a wealthy part of a neighboring town. As I pulled up to the house, I drove past a Ford Explorer SUV with dark-tinted windows and bristling with antennas sitting on the side of the road near the end of the driveway. I thought that was odd, but I paid it no mind as I pulled into the driveway and arrived at what locals would have described as a Portuguese palace. Those familiar with the area would know what I mean. An expansive front lawn lined by a wrought iron fence, a long gravel driveway leading to an ornate concrete staircase with concrete lion gargoyles on either side, terminating at a large house with a brick and stucco finish and a gigantic wooden door. I strolled up to the door and rang the bell. It opened 
and I was suddenly faced with what could best be described as a human grizzly bear <laughs> who dwarfed my wiry 5'11 frame. A large, imposing man who looked like he hadn't shaved or changed clothes in about a week. Taken aback, I looked up at the man, held out my hand, and sheepishly said, Hi, I'm Dark Helmet. I'm here to fix the computer. The man smiled, gripped my hand with his giant meat paw, and said, Hey, nice to meet you, Jimmy Greco. I felt my entire body tense up. I tried to maintain my composure, but I'm pretty certain my eyeballs were bulging out of my head as I remembered the newspaper story as an image of this man stalking into the office of Stormy Seas Fisheries and holding a gun to the owner's head flashed before my eyes. I think I blacked out a bit because the next memory I have is of me in the living room sitting at the computer at a desk in the corner pecking away while Jimmy sat on the couch to my left. I glanced over at him and I noticed a bulge under one of his pant legs near the ankle. An ankle bracelet, I realized. Suddenly it all came together. Jimmy's disheveled appearance, the unmarked SUV watching the house, the urgent need to repair the internet. This man was under house arrest. I would later learn the SUV belonged to the FBI. So Jimmy was sitting there just jabbering my ear off with small talk. He seemed almost giddy to have someone new to talk to. By the way, you have to imagine his voice in the stereotypical baritone New York City gangster accent you hear in movies because that's exactly what he sounded like. So anyways, what'd you say your name was again, kid? I replied nervously, uh, Dark Helmet? Jimmy leaned back and pensively said, Helmet, Helmet. I know a few helmets. Me. Yeah, well, I know my Uncle Bill is friends with Chris. Chris was another guy who worked at Stormy Seas, and my uncle was notorious for having friends in low places. Jimmy cocked his head to the side and thought as he pondered, Hmm, Helmet, Billy Helmet. Hey, didn't he have a twin brother? Not really sure where this was going, I replied, Yeah, Tom, that's my dad. They're identical twins. Jimmy's eyes narrowed as he leaned forward towards me, gesturing with his index finger at me as he spoke, sort of jabbing at the air towards me with his finger. Yeah, Tom Helmet, Tom Helmet, he said excitedly, his eyes gleaming. You know, I was in Walpole once. He was one of my COs. Walpole was a prison. CO stands for corrections officer. Prison guard in layman's terms. Yes, my dad worked there. I froze and just stared blankly at the screen in front of me as I felt the blood drain away from my face. I'm dead. I'm never leaving this house alive. I'm going to be killed and dismembered and buried in this man's backyard. These thoughts raced through my head as I tried to judge my ability to spring from my chair and dash out the door before Jimmy had time to leap from the couch and tackle me. Then, the unexpected happened. Jimmy relaxed and leaned back as his face brightened and he said, You know, he was a really nice guy. I'm pretty sure I visibly breathed a sigh of relief and relaxed as I felt the color return to my face. Jimmy went on and regaled me of stories of my father's kindness while he was imprisoned in Walpole. Come to find out, my dad was the night kitchen officer. Some inmates who had certain dietary needs or medical conditions were allowed a carton of milk in their cells after hours. Jimmy, at the time, was a young 18-year-old kid. My dad took pity on him and would bring him any extra milk he had, even though Jimmy technically wasn't allowed to have it in his cell. I still had work to do, and Jimmy was still talkative, so the banner continued. So, you got any brothers or sisters? Yes, I have a younger sister. Oh, well, what does she do for work? She's a massage therapist. Oh yeah, massage therapy, that's nice. You know, last year for Christmas, the guys from the office got me one of those, you know, massage a month type deals. Dumb B only showed up three times and stopped coming. I ought to send someone out to bust her kneecaps. Hey, you should... <laughs> Hey, you should give me your sister's number. Yeah, uh, I'll give it to Chris and he can give it to you. Thanks, kid. Spoiler alert, I didn't. 
This is where our story concludes. I have absolutely no recollection of what the actual problem was with the computer or internet connection. I do remember texting my dad on the way down the driveway, something like, Hi, Dad. Jimmy Greco says hi and thanks for the milk. And I waved to the FBI folks as I drove past. My license plate number and description of my vehicle is probably enshrined in an FBI file in Boston somewhere. That was the last time we ever saw or heard from Jimmy Greco. Shortly after these events, he was tried and convicted, but he was released from prison in 2011. Okay, <laughs> so, I don't know. Through this whole story, my brain's envisioning something along the lines of something between Goodfellas, The Sopranos, and Dragnet. Don't ask me why Dragnet. I think it's because of his opening line about, you know, the names and businesses were changed and all that. But And yes, I mangled that New York, if you could call what I did New York, uh, wise guy accent. But anyway, that was a good story, man. I don't know if it's true or not, but hey, stranger things have happened. Uh, I have my little brushes with uh, the Philadelphia factions uh, a couple times. I mean, I wasn't into anything like that, but, uh, you know, our businesses did cross here and there. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. In case of stupid wiring, break device. I worked at a company that made 110-volt AC and 220-volt AC motors, all of which had some degree of control intelligence built into them. Some of them only had a soft start routine along with current protection, so if something stopped the motor from turning, it wouldn't burn out but others allowed an input from an external system to control them. The soft start ability would save energy in the long run for things that had to cycle on an awful lot. The previous owners of the building also had the need to test certain things on 220-volt AC as well. How did they do this? No, of course they didn't use a proper outlet into which only a 220-volt AC plug would fit. They wired a regular 110-volt AC outlet to be 220-volt AC instead. Oh my gosh. You can probably guess where this is going. So as I understand it, they wanted to use the power strip as a convenient switch for their motor. The power strip they chose was also a surge protector, which by definition does something to prevent an excessive voltage from reaching devices plugged into it. There are power strips that are just power strips, and we had several of those which didn't give a hoot about the input voltage. Surge protectors, on the other hand, must react to an overvoltage by definition. I was working on something else when my coworker brought me the surge protector. He admitted that he hooked it up to 220 and it went pop and didn't work anymore. I set it aside and kept up my current project until I was done with it. Later on, I had nothing better to do, so I decided to take apart the surge protector, assuming there's any way to do so non-destructively in the first place. And indeed, there was. It wasn't designed intentionally to prevent repairs, but it wasn't designed with repairs in mind either. I'll leave it at that. I was looking for a fuse, but before I even found it, I saw the problem. The traces that once carried the input power were gone, <laughs> and the surface of the board itself has two big burn marks where the traces used to be. There actually was a thermal fuse next to the MOVs, as well as a circuit breaker, which was part of the switch, both of which did diddly squat. I'll explain in a comment how most surge protectors work. I showed my coworker the burned up board, and he thankfully didn't try to get me to fix it. Yeah, that's not, no. I mean, I'm sure somebody could have repaired it and rigged it back together, but, um, yeah, if you're going to use 220, you need to go ahead with, you know, one of those big 30 or 50 amp cords or whatever it is. And if you're going to try to use some other type of switch, I mean, there's other switches made just for that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, even I know better than to use all that. Although I'm having my own wiring issues at the moment in this old house. 
<laughs> um, one of my sons went to plug in his electric uh, pencil sharpener the other day, and all of the outlets in that circuit went dead. I try. I thought it was a bad GFI, so I replaced the GFI. Nope. Come to find out, that GFI doesn't supply power to the other places. It's just its own standalone PowerPoint. You know, then I thought, well, maybe it's the breaker. So, breakers are cheap. I went and picked up another Square D breaker and popped the breaker in. Nothing. Then I realized that when I had one of the boys go downstairs to, you know, trip the breaker back off, two lights went off. And, uh, and that's when I realized that there's power getting through most of the house to that section of the house. It just stops with the lights. So, you know, I took all the receptacles apart, every single one of them down the line. And tonight I looked at, I took out the two light fixtures and their switches and I don't see anything loose, arced, cut, whatever. Uh, replaced almost all the receptacles or at least swapped them with ones that I knew were functioning. I just don't understand, man. There's something somewhere. So I guess one of my boys is going to have to play tunnel right tomorrow and go through the crawl space and trace the wire. It's a very distinctive wire <laughs> from the breaker panel all the way through and tell me where it stops. Uh, so yeah, that ought to be good times. You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.